Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we got the, we got the original OG band back together here. That's right. We got my original podcast host, my set-in other my, uh, podcast host. My original fill-in host, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then I guess I'm the one constant so far. I guess pretty well. He's been on every one of them. Well, he skipped one. You done one by yourself, they said. I have, yeah. Well, I think that's our most viewed one, isn't it? No. <laughs> no. I enjoyed it. I was um, trying to give you some credit there. Which one, which one did I skip? Uh, I interviewed Chris. Pennsylvania Chris. Pennsylvania Chris. Yeah, Indiana Chris. Indiana Chris. Chris, North Carolina Chris, Pennsylvania Chris. Chris. Really? A lot of Chris's. It's weird. There's a couple yeah. Chris's in this country. There is. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, there's you a know. couple dumbasses running around this country too. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, um, if we if we tell him he's the only constant here, and we let him know that he's got the most. It's big head, don't he? That's why he gets so many hats. I know. We just went over this with Jenna. It was fresh in my mind. It was fair game. Fair game. Yeah. Well, hell, I mean, I'm just gonna leave that one lie. I don't think there's. Oh. Well, I don't know how this one falls in uh, sync with some others, but. Uh... Um, what are you doing back in town? <laughs> Man. I like, I like this guy. He's straight to the point. Yeah. What the hell are you doing here? I'm a failure. You ain't got to say that. Uh, uh, straight to the point. You know? yep. um, no, you guys, uh, you guys covered DLT stuff earlier. So <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Um, yep. And this should air after the episode, episode I guess, that, with, yeah. with Sam and because we we made the mistake of saying what season and episode it was. Yeah, he oh, was you, to, we he, quit doing that. Yeah, yeah I, I had to fill him in on, yeah. on camera. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. He yeah. pulled his phone out and he was trying to figure it out. I said, "You realize you posted one from last season, this season, right?" Yeah. I said, "You just yeah, but it's still in order. You better you're better off just tell them to read the title if they want to figure out yeah. what yeah. episode we're on." So, welcome to the video you clicked on. <laughs> <laughs> Read the title if you want to know more. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're in town picking up some of the rest of our stuff and still didn't get it all. That's yeah. fine. I kind you know of what? Uh, I just realized I forgot to get the backup audio going. So I'll Uh-oh. Right well, I hope this case. audio does work. Yeah. 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 Thanks hope, for the faith. Hope, hope primary audio is doing good over yeah. there, folks. Although I like it when you have the audio because then you just text me and say, I uploaded. I need you to title, tag, and post. No. Hey, my, so far I'm it's, not saying they're perfect, but our no, last, but I'm I'm very content. <laughs> our, la, our last few, at least you're not the one that's getting yelled at. This is true. So, uh, long story short, if they don't like the audio on this one, it's Jason's fault. It's please Jason's tag, fault. Please that's that's what we've always camera. blamed. I've already on admitted on yeah. camera, on live, not television, and I'm a failure. So. <laughs> live, not television. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm all right with it. You know it's supposed to snow down here, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do. You and Snow, Indiana Snow, don't get along very well. Me and Snow, period, don't get along. Oh, you and Snow, period, okay. I've I've had many. The only vehicular incidents I've ever had were because of Snow. Oh, boy, yeah. 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 
<laughs> oh, I could say so many stories. Some involve Jason, and some don't about people coming from the north saying they claim they don't have driving. You know, everybody. I don't recall ever claiming that I know how to drive. In snow. That's Hilljacks from Southern Indiana. That's when we get out and go booty cruising when snow. Yeah. <laughs> driving around. Oh, we do that too. But I've done it a few times, and it did not go well. Uh, yeah, crashed a car, crashed a motorcycle. Motorcycle hurt. Riding a motorcycle in the yeah, snow? Yeah, let's not in the snow. snow. Oh, okay. No, it was, it was black. about somebody's IQ level. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, it's, how many times do you want to cover this? It's down here. Oh. Is this, is this one of those don't kick a guy while he's down? <laughs> no, I don't care. <laughs> I just bought it because that's the best, oddly enough, that's the best time to buy a motorcycle is in the freezing cold. All right. I don't want to distract everybody from your uh, decision-making abilities. We've got a pretty interesting podcast on the horizon. I think it's going to take a while to get through this one. Fine. Because <laughs> of how high my IQ level is, how long it takes to get through it. Yeah. So Chris, Chris ain't Chris ain't a co-host on this one. He is the guest. Yeah. He's it, been the guest more than once. He's he's, been, he's, been, he's probably our most repeated guest. Yeah. That's why sure. he's a, that's why he's a host. <laughs> that's why he's a host now. I think we're co-hosting. He's the host. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I don't know yeah. about that. Stay tuned for season six. We'll be on the Farmer Chris podcast. Yeah. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> That see he's planting the seed because farmers do that oh, of making yes. sure we don't title anything anymore. Yeah, we'll see how much Miracle Girl he puts on us. Yeah, because then he could just come back if and see. If I know Chris well enough, he'll probably just cover me in turkey shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried well, doing that a time or two. I've been here a few times. Who's gonna pull him out of the field then? <laughs> well, I'll remind that. Remind yeah. that day you chased me up that shit spreader. <laughs> He always say that wasn't me. That was my brother. Yeah, uh, well, that was Dad's other son. So. Dad does not. Oh, all right. So this man, um, I got faith in Chris that he can explain this. But we're gonna try. What we're gonna call this? The economics of farming. Because I am very familiar, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty familiar with businesses and businesses and how businesses works. As long as they don't involve spelling. Or yeah. Grammar. Hey, you don't have to spell to make money. I'm proof of it. <laughs> I'm just saying. Amen to that. <laughs> uh, businesses, how they work, how ends got to meet. But farms are like a whole other level they of chaos. They can get pretty complicated pretty quick. A whole other uh, level of chaos. And just, you know, on the prior podcast, we were talking about diversity. Yeah. Which spreads the risk. But it spreads the, the complexity of it also. Right, right. So then it starts complicating things really quick. So. Well, and probably, you know, to hit some highlights here, we've covered bits and pieces of this before in our podcast. We're going to try to condense it all into yeah. one. But there is so many variables that are outside of your control. And that's, that's the exact same or correct is, is the variables. Right. You know, you said in a factory or, you know, if somebody's owning a factory or whatever and, and making something, you know, they can order everything's just, not everything. The biggest portion of theirs is a fixed input, fixed output, contracts right. in, contracts out. It's projectable. And you can you can budget around. You that. can budget it. I mean, it's pretty easy to budget. You know, unless you know one stupid thing. You know, they could happen. But ag, farm, whatever. It seems like everything's a variable. Right. From I mean, it just. <coughs> Well, I guess let's just maybe, what do you think the best way to do this is? Just kind of talk through a, a cycle? That might take a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> so we're, we're filming this uh, 1st of January. Yep. 
And you're just now starting to plan planning season for 2024. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm behind just a little bit, you know, but my harvest got behind and we got the holidays and we had a vacation. Right. So and that's what I was going to say is yeah. you're just now starting, but you you're you're maybe 2 months behind versus some guys. Yeah, we're already we're already behind the eight ball. So the, what's the what's the decisions you have to make? Uh, financially, I guess, uh, and you can share as much or as little as you want. But what decisions? What decisions do you make? I guess it, I'm just guessing here, and you can elaborate. One is the type of crop you're going to plant. Yep. Uh, how you're going to fertilize or nurture that crop. Yep. Uh, where you're going to plant it at, uh, as far as uh, strategically, what makes sense yep. to be efficient. Um, do you like factor in fuel call? I mean, what? I guess just kind of like I guess the markets play a big part in this. Well, and actually, you know, we had our DOT training today, and I kind of scattered out of there about one thirty because my grain broker was at the house at 2 o'clock this evening. So that's actually what we was talking about is some strategic planning for 2024. You know, how much corn, how much beans, what do we think the market's going to do here or there? You know, it's an election year. Uh, money buys votes, so are they going to try to lower the gas prices? which lowers crude oil, which lowers corn prices, lowers ethanol prices, which lower corn prices. So do we need to be focusing on soybeans? But also, nitrogen prices are, are down from two years prior. So it's still feasible to, to grow a corn crop. Which nitrogen is the, one of the more expensive. That's one of the biggest fertilizer costs in, in, in growing corn. corn. So, you know, you've got those variables. You're looking at South America. They've got some weather scares. What's our export market going to do? What's China going to do? Um, but our biggest corn buyer is uh, is Mexico. Really? They buy 27% of our corn. Really? <coughs> well, now Mexico's decided they're not going to buy anything GMO. They're going to go all non-GMO in 2024. Whereby the U.S. says they're going to starve to death before they get enough non-GMO corn to feed them. At one time, the straw is going to break the camel's back, and then when that gate opens, then the corn market's going to rush back up again. So you've got all that running in the back of your head. You're sitting there hearing people talk about sustainable aviation fuel, and that comes out of soybeans. So well, now do we need to be planting soybeans? And then you're on a corn market, so we plant white corn and yellow corn. So now you're playing that game in your head, which one's going to pay more? Jesus. Yeah. I, like I, I feel bad for myself some days when I got to figure out which track I'm going to run. <laughs> some days I wake up late. So we're, uh, you know, for right now, that's, yes, the number one thing. We do have a crop plan in place as of this video, what we think we're going to plant, which crop we're going to plant in which field. Now, you know, the banker's coming next week, so we're going to do, do a balance sheet. Uh, so that's going to give us a snapshot, and we're going to backdate it to 1231. So it gives us a snapshot of where our, our whole operation is financially at the end of the right. year. And we've done that every year on the same day for the past nine years. So that gives a snapshot of our financial position. Are we moving forwards? Are we moving backwards? backwards. Are we just sidestepping, you know? Right. And uh, so I, and I think that's the key of that. Because ag is a, a three-year financial window. You know, we're in 24, 
still marketing 23 grain. Planning for 25. When we get towards the end of 24, we're already buying inputs for 25. So you're not even working within one physical year anymore. So now you're working with a three-year window. So then sometimes your balance sheets and cash flows gets to, are you working on a cash basis? Right. Or are you working on a accrual basis? And then your number starts fluctuating. I mean, it can get complicated really quick. So, But once we get the banker there, your main goal is to get the balance sheet done. I'll start setting down my input providers. We'll start getting prices on fertilizer, chemicals, seed. And then I'll start going through and putting a, uh, a cash flow together for 2024. So, you know, and, that, and then you then that's when your competition kind of starts start, and you can kind of play some big uh, games back and forth. Are you up for a game of hypothetical? Oh, yeah. Bring her on. <laughs> right. So, obviously, we're not going to spew out your financials or your operations. That's your business and nobody else's. But I want to maybe put some numbers out there generically so people can understand how big a numbers you're playing with. So we're going to play farming simulator real well, life? Well, let's just say, uh, what's a good, how many acres would you say a good small to medium range farmer is? I mean, I'll throw some generic numbers out there. And... I'm trying to put, I guess what yeah. I'm trying to go for is, let's just say hypothetically, Bobby's farming 3,000 acres. 3,000 acres. And he's going to divide that in half. He's going to plant half in corn, half in beans. Yep. So, like, and I know there's all these different input numbers, but what would you say the average yield of beans is and the average yield of corn is here in our area? You know, we figure for right now, you know, we averaged uh, right at 200 bushel corn, and we averaged... Uh, like 66 bushel beans. That's, this was a really good year. That's right. per acre. Per that's acre. per acre. Okay. So well, let's let's go. Let's just. I'm gonna stop you just yep. right there for a second. So if you farm 1,500 acres and you average 200 bushel per acre, you harvested 300,000 bushel of corn. Yes. Right? What's the average price of corn? Uh, five dollars. Five dollars. So I'm going to take three hundred thousand times five. You harvested one point five million dollars worth of corn. corn. Okay. So keep that in mind. One point five million. million. That's yep. what I'm trying to get to. Is and now I'm, we're going to chew yep. this number away really yep. quick. So that's why I'm trying to get as a starting point. You yep. see where I'm going with this? All right. So this is fifteen hundred acres of corn at five dollars an acre or five dollars a bushel. 1,500 times 200 times 5 is what yeah. he had. Yeah. yeah. So, so, then, so then you're going to take 1,500 times 60. Yeah, so 1,500 times 60. Times 13. Times 13. You all, you harvested one point, almost $1.2 million worth of beans. Farmer Chris, you're a millionaire. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> so 1.2 1, 1 plus 1.5, I mean, you harvested on a... Oh, we're just saying generically yeah. here, a 3,000 yeah. acre farm, you are harvesting $2.7 million in crops. With crops, yep. So then you turn around and watch these guys that farm 10, 15, 20,000 acres. Oh, yeah. 
And I mean, this ain't no pennies game. No, there's a lot of money rolling through a checkbook really quick. This ain't no pennies game no. whatsoever. And I don't want to get too far off in the weeds here, but if you're harvesting that many acres and you can bump yield up three or four bushel per acre oh. with field tile or taking the shade yes. off the side or some of the stuff we do, yeah. you can start manipulating that bigger number quite you a bit. You can manipulate that number really quick. Which is where some people don't see any return on the investment of what we do sometimes. Mm -hmm. But take 1,500 acres of corn times 200 is that 300,000 you know you times it by five that was at 1.5 million right now let's say south america had a good crop crude oil come down the market moved 50 cents down so now we're going to times it by uh 450. so we're now we're at 1.35 yeah, i lost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars overnight Overnight, over, a, over, a, or it could it be a political decision? A political could, decision, or it could be yeah. the Mississippi River's low. And Mississippi River's low. Went yeah. up. So, whenever people see that number change just that much yeah. on the price of corn or beans or yep. whatever, they got to remember how many times that number gets applied. Yeah, and I, I think another factor, and I, I stop me, I'm getting ahead of you, but so political decision, market, whatever, corn goes down fifty cents a mm -hmm. bushel. Do you then get a credit for the what you already buried in the ground? No. <laughs> no. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, because no. to me, it, this is a twofold thing. Yeah, he lost $150,000 of profits. But I didn't how much, lose it. I just didn't get it. Yeah. How much did you lose, though? Right. Yeah. You know, because if you were banking or planning for $5 mm -hmm. a bushel when you bought seed, yeah. you know, that's what you lost. Yeah. Well, this is also why... Chris calls it legalized gambling. Yes, yeah. we could get that perfect time rain shower. Yeah. Right. Or it could, or something could happen the other way around. Right. And it goes the other way. Now he's got one hundred fifty thousand dollars he didn't know he had. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I, and, I, and this leads into the risk uh, they take to farm. It's kind of where I'm building up to here. A yeah. Now the number you you want me to to show you that fifteen hundred acres of corn brought in one point five million. It's going to take about 1.4 million to plant that. Yeah. So that's where that was going to be my next question is out of that 1.5 million dollars worth of corn, we well, what is mm -hmm. uh, what is that uh, per acre price that he yielded? 1.5 uh, divided be by 1,500. thousand dollars an acre. So it, an acre. so basically. But if you harvest the corn, the machine's going across the field, if it averages at $200,000 mm -hmm. an acre is what you're bringing in yep. revenue. So what does it cost to plant that corn? Um, just some rough numbers. I don't have them. This is just rumors on the blocks I'm hearing. Yeah, and this, this is kind of just yeah, general average. Average. I'm hearing somewhere between the eight twenty-five to $900 an acre for 2024. So out of that $1,000 you're bringing off that property. You're um, hoping to put a hundred bucks in your pocket. Yeah, and that is seed, chemicals, machine, insurance. That's the whole, the whole balance sheet. I mean, that's the whole cash right flow. Every line on it. Here. Yeah. So is this where? Well, we got we got rid of his money real quick. I didn't. But you know, <laughs> if I put one point four million in it, and that market went down, I only brought in one million three hundred fifty thousand. I lost 50000 in that growing season on that corn crop. I know, but let's think about this, Farmer Chris. You guys are insane. 
who in the hell goes and buries $1.3 million in the ground and then hopes to make 50 grand off of it? And don't even, sometimes don't even sweat a bullet and just goes on, that's life. Wait, does that not register as that's not normal? We can insure it. <laughs> Here we go. For only 80% of it. But it's going to cost us insurance. I mean, and, I, and I'm not picking on you. Yeah. I'm just trying to drive home the point of it's how whole, risky. It is. I mean, people see you guys out there in the fields with this shiny stuff and new trucks and this, that, yep. and the other. And there are years, you, I know you guys make money. But, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to drive home the yeah. point of how risky farming is. No, I've, I've lost several hours of sleep at night, you know, trying to figure out where the money's going to come from to pay the bills. Right. You know, we kept getting rain, kept getting rain, you know, and we kept investing in it this year. So not all crops you keep investing in. Right. So what, basically what you're saying is but, as the year is after the, after the crop's planted and then the year's going on, you can yeah. do stuff for that crop as you see we what can, the weather pattern is. We can is. keep feeding it a little bit. You know, your biggest chunk, I mean, your, your fixed cost is your tractors, your land. You ain't going to fluctuate that. Right. Now you're corn. Okay, you've got it planted. You've got some fertilizer out there. All right, now it's knee high. You're going to go side dress. Now how much nitrogen are you going to put on it? What's the crop look like? What's the weather look like? Okay, now now it's shoulder high and the crop's still good. You can still get one of these high boy, tall spreader trucks over it. Do I want to throw another $30 an acre of nitrogen out there? Now we're tasseling, we're going to fly a fungicide. Do we want to fly a fungicide on it? Right, which at this point you're using an airplane. Airplane, yep. Okay, yeah, we're going to fly a fungicide. Now do we want to spend another $20 an acre to put more fertilizer with that, liquid fertilizer? You know, you can keep watching the weather and keep adding or, or just cut your loss and just stop on it, and it is what it is. You know? So, th and this is one thing you and I have talked about a little bit. I don't know if either one of us have a good answer. Yeah. There's a local farmer here that farms a small quantity i think he puts it in the ground he don't even step back in the field till he comes back with the harvester i'm like he well, don't look at it he don't, he don't look at it he don't watch it. it he don't baby it and he's probably got the same planter as grandpa had probably has the same planter grandpa has you know his whole farming operation probably costs less equipment wise than one piece you have yes Yep. And he, and he, I say small, he's farming 500 acres. I mean, it's not like a 40 acre patch. He's farming enough to, I mean, 500 acres ain't nothing to sneeze yeah. at. No. And uh, let's say you're averaging 200 corn and 63 on beans. Mm -hmm. He may be averaging 125 on corn and 40 on beans. Where Chris has got these big harvest numbers mm -hmm. and he's got so many more inputs. So at the end of the day, who makes more money? It'd probably break even, but. He's not renting no ground. True. The ground he's got's paid for. True. So that's a big input cost. Yep. You know. Good point. Good point. Um, lower. He has no equipment payments. True. So he don't have to have the bigger spread. He don't have to have the bigger spread. The seed's still going to cost the same if he's planting the same population, but more likely he's he's putting less seeds per acre, so his seed cost is down right. some. Especially since he can't vary more eight. Yep. Um, He's probably running an old-fashioned fertilizer, pounds per acre. He's probably not soil sampled his ground. He's just running a static right. potash uh, 
dap uh, type thing, you know. So yeah, and then uh, his chemicals, he's probably used some Roundup and some atrazine and go for it. Go for it. So I guess where I'm going with this ultimately yeah. is I'm in the construction world, obviously. You're in the farming world. And sometimes I'm jealous because there is way more technology in your world than what there is mine. Yeah. You guys got, and you've been way ahead of us on technology for a long time. Yep. The reason for that is all these inputs are so expensive. Mm -hmm. And you guys are covering such vast uh, areas of ground. Yes. But if you can manipulate that yield number a few bushel per acre. Yes. Yep. It's a it, it changes that 1.5 million number. Yeah, my quite a bit. My planter tractor's got seven seven computers or seven monitors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even see out that right window. Right. I mean, it's just lined with monitors. So but it's, it's all a, it's all about monitoring these expensive chemicals, fertilizers, fertilizers seed, knowing where they need to be, variable rate them yep. more here, less there. That the uh, high, uh, the precision planning is even whenever you turn radiuses, yep. it's uh, keeping population consistent. Yep. Uh, you don't have your overlap. Um, it's that's where the technology, I guess, pays for itself. Yeah. And makes yeah makes that more feasible. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know for years when we soil sampled ground, you had a twenty acre field. You went out and pulled ten samples and threw all those samples in one bag and sent them off. That was your soil sample for the field. So you, you literally sampled the field. You sampled the field. You got it back. It needs one hundred fifty pounds of dap, one hundred fifty pounds of potash. The whole field got the same thing. Now today I hire the co-op to come in. We take two acre samples. So every two acres gets its own sample, GPS coordinated. So now we've got 10 samples coming back for this 20 acre field. That spreader truck goes across and every two acres gets its own. Changes its rate. Both products, potash changes and the DAP changes. That's what, um... so you know, yeah, it cost me. Ten dollars an acre to hire them to grid sample. Yeah, but they may save you. But look at the fertilizer I'm saving on the other side. Yeah, yeah. you can make, and you're putting it where it's needed. Yeah, not putting, putting, and not yeah. wasting it. That's and the way the EPA is getting to with some of this watershed stuff, I think that's where we're going to have to get to to make sure we're utilizing what fertilizer, not wasting it, so that it's not running off. Right. You know. And that's a that's a compound thing because if. All the farmers in general use less fertilizer. The supply goes down, mm -hmm. which means the demand's not there. Yep. Which means the price drops. Yes, you would think so, but they're manipulated <laughs> some way. So. Isn't that what Neil does for a living? Yeah. Yeah. Neil yeah. Cove. Oh yeah, yeah. He's in the agronomist. Uh, agronomist. Yeah, agronomist. Yeah. I thought I got that word right. That's what I usually screw up. Yep. So. You know, then you start throwing. You talking about jealous about the technology though. I'm jealous about your work schedule sometimes. Because, <laughs> you know, from 1st April to mid-June, if sun's shining, you know, me and, me and John's running 18-hour days. Yeah. Go, go, go. And then 4 o'clock, you know, well, him and Aaron, it's, it's quitting oh, time, you know. Man. It's time to go to the house. God dang, it'd be nice to just park it. We, this job wait till tomorrow. We'll come back yeah. and finish her up. No, that's not true. If there's a shit spread in the field with me, that's true. He's figured out how to be motivation. <laughs> uh, he's good at it. Um, I think something else with that. I can plant tile about faster than he can plant corn. I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> if you won't move the trees, I can't get the shit spreader in there. 
This oh. last one we did, I left the opening. I wouldn't, I wouldn't open the opening up. I got the whole job done, then I put the opening in. I'm like, I'm learning. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, roughly, how many acres do you think you work on in a year? Oh, man, that's a... That's a, that's a, there's a lot of variables in that question. You yeah. mean for Chris? No, no, just you in general. In general? So man, my, my point with this, I guess, given you How that, many acres do I affect by my work? Do you, well, like, actually go out and do something to? Four-acre pond, you know, four, oh, four maybe four different building pads or an acre. Maybe 150. So, and you're you and Aaron sometimes, yeah. you and Matt sometimes, so two guys. Yeah. But over here we have two guys primarily for yeah, roughly 3,000 yeah, acres mean, on yeah. average. We're not like, saying Chris farms 3,000 acres. We're just using that as a generic. Yeah. Term, I'm, but, yeah. yeah. But if you if somebody just needs to put into their head how much area a thousand acres is. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the I feel like the point to this episode is to to <coughs> provide. You, the viewer, what it's like to be a farmer. Because I feel like nobody really... Yeah. I've had this discussion with a couple other farmers or salesmen in that community that gets around some other farmers. And I don't know, we've, we've kind of discussed, and it's just a real something I've noticed is, is one guy per thousand acres. Really? That's something I've noticed. You know, if, if a guy's around about 5,000 acres, there's normally about five guys on that farm. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a 2,000-acre farmer, you're, you're normally going to see two guys on that. Yeah. So, You know, I, well, just along those lines, one thing I've noticed kind of being around farms and stuff like that is there's a little bit of correlation between farming and the construction industry. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to take a two- or three-man crew, build two or three houses a year, mm -hmm. and be somewhat profitable about it. But you get from that 3,000 acres to that seven, maybe 10,000 mm -hmm. acre area, or building three to seven to 10 houses a year, mm -hmm. you're it's like in no man's land. Because mm -hmm. you, you, you gotta have the labor, but you don't have enough work to justify them being there full time. Yeah, That's about where we're at. You know, it's me and my brother. Um, Dad's 70, you know, he's, he's there all the time, does what he can. And then we got one part-time. Mm -hmm. Hard hand, so I mean, I'd like I need a full time hard hand at times, right? But I'm just not yeah. there where I can justify the, right. what do I do with him January yeah. the 4th? You know, what yeah. are you better off suffering through the few days you need them really bad yeah. and instead yeah. of having staying around the days you don't need them? You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's uh, that's a hard one. To, that's I mean, I fully understand it because I kind of experienced it on the construction side, but that is a very hard one. We talked about this before on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, that is a hard one to explain that 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 leap from a family small operation. What, what is a small farm? Five thousand acres or less? 3, I don't 000? know what they call small farm. Three thousand. I mean, the the true small family farm is gone. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'd still classify a small family farm as fifteen hundred or less. Fifteen hundred or yeah. less. All yeah. right, so. Uh, what, 1,500 to 5,000 medium size? Yeah. yeah. So let's just say from that five to 10,000 acre, mm -hmm. that's a, I mean, even knowing what I know from three to 4,000 acres is a big damn jump. Yeah. Yeah, you take 1,000 acres, there's a lot, of, a lot going on. Yeah. Well, there's two different ways to get 1,000 acres. Yeah. Some farmers have to get it seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty acres at a time. Well, that's just what I was going to say. You know, the next farmer may go in and get two fields and have 1,000 acres. Yeah. And it may not. <coughs> 
And to get that next two fields for a thousand acres, you only might have to go a mile down the road. Right. You know, it's where we're at in southern Indiana. You know, we're from my far south to my far north fields about thirty-five miles. And there ain't a straight way to get there. And there ain't a straight way. Just due to the Hoosier National Forest sitting there, we've all we've got to go. Yeah. Rounded over hills and round curves. So. And it's not like when you go from the average we're using 3,000 acres to 4,000, 5,000 mm -hmm. acres, you don't get a larger window to work. No. It stays, no. it's constant. Yep. Yeah, so you're spreading yourself more thin yep. and hoping that it, it doubles in profit. Well, and then especially with planting, it is so ground condition sensitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, you know, you have 1,000 acres you want to plant, but you can maybe only cover, what, 100, 200 a day? Yeah. And um. It depends on what crop you're planting and what you're doing with it. So we run, now we run two 30-foot planters. One's supposed to be set up on corn. One's supposed to be set up on soybeans. But for 2023, we were so heavy corn, we took the second one. Once he was done planting soybeans, Come it went to corn, you know, just so we could hammer down on it. Now, 2024, it seems like the trend, we used to plant corn first, plant beans last. The trend is now going, you plant your beans first and plant your corn next. I ain't going to say last. But right. You need to still get your corn in May. We're still having luck in June corn yet, but that's all Mother Nature dependent. Right, right, right. So and we're talking about taking both planters to beans and then bring them one back to corn. And when the second one's done with beans, bring them back to Just knock out a big chunk of it right off just the bat. Let's get the thing beaten. Not, ground, to, not to keep out. driving this point home, but you're trying to manipulate that yield number. Well, we're trying to manipulate that yield number. Which is the biggest number you can manipulate to change your outcome. If you can plant beans in April, let's say you plant beans the third week of April versus plant beans the third week of May, it's probably 20 bushel difference. Yeah, so take 1,500, do the math, take 1,500 1, acres times 20 times 13. He's my human calculator over there. $390,000. So your plant day could cost you almost a half million dollars. Yeah. Well, ain't that insane? I, I, and I think some, like, the thing that goes into my head, I guess, because I got a lot going around here. I'm trying to articulate it. That's a lot of stress for one, maybe two, three guys. Because even if you hire help, they're not carrying the stress yeah. like, to the same degree that you are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even fully understand this like Chris does. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm not a novice to taking risk, but yeah, that's getting out there for me. And you know, the thing of it is too, the money that I we use every operation is different. You know, if I need. If my if my cash flow says I need two point three million dollars to get through twenty twenty four. Two let's just say two million dollars. That's not sitting in my checkbook that I'm gonna plant. Right, it's not cash money you guys. It's said. not cash money and if if yeah. I come up a hundred thousand short at the end of the year, it's uh it's fine. Yeah. This is two million that I'm borrowing yeah. at eight percent interest that come next January, I've got people Looking for you. Looking for me. Where's Where's my money? Kind of Still out years. there. It's about three and a half inches in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I'm doing that math right, that's one hundred and sixty thousand dollars in interest. You alone. ain't gonna remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> and you know, what, like, I don't need your calculator for that. You want to talk about realistic Mother Nature event? We were we weren't the size then we were now, but it was roughly middle of September of 2009. Oh yeah, we had a most beautiful corn crop there was. And this remnants of Hurricane Ike come up through here with 70 mile an hour winds. No rain. No rain. I had 800 acres of corn go from 10 foot tall to 6 inches tall. Mm -hmm. I had a beautiful corn crop that's just flat on the ground. Well, yeah. I lost thousands and thousands of dollars in a matter of eight hours of wind. And there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you, you go from shelling corn five mile an hour to half a mile an hour. Now, now look how long your harvest is. You're, yeah. you're trying to pick up 80% of it, see what you can get. Yeah, and I mean, to put that in perspective, people watch uh, Welkers, you know, with their hail damage. Yeah, yeah, their hail damage. Same thing. It was, it was it two or three years ago, you had all, all of your creek fields flood. Yeah, the, the, creeks, flood. the creeks go under. Um, high water gets out of the creeks and the, yeah. we just got the headwater just flat and knocks them down. Yeah, we don't get backwater where we're at. You know, the not like the river you got here, so we're farther up the the creek. So. Yeah, um, um, but there is just so many variables with farming, and you know, in the past four years, I didn't personally know them, but just stories, probably in a five county radius, I know five people that's uh, suiciding. Oh, apparently, you can't say that word on YouTube. Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Beep it out. I will. Well, uh, but, I mean, st strictly through the uh, stress of farming. Yeah. Just through stress of farming. Yeah. I I mean, I, I mean I've been around it my whole life. I obviously. mean, ag is just so, so stressful. I've been around it my whole life, but obviously uh, now working for a bunch of farmers and you and I becoming yeah. good friends and kind of seeing, I guess, that, I mean, it's just, it's a lifestyle. It is. I would not... And I've, I said on this podcast before, one bad day in the office is, or one bad day on the farm is way better than the best day in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've been born and raised on a farm. Right. You know, it's, I've went to Chicago and worked. I've been to Indy to work, Cincinnati and work. And the whole dream was to come back home. And even the guys I worked with, you know, I kept telling them the whole time I was in Chicago, you know. I'm going to farm, I'm going to get bigger, I'm going to grow the farm. And then actually one of them come down, oh, well, just as we start harvesting this year. I hadn't seen them for four or five years and couldn't believe the size of the equipment we're running. He goes, you know, I laughed at you the whole time you kept talking about <laughs> where you're headed to, where your dream was. And, and uh, he goes, you've, you've done her. He goes, it's just crazy yeah. the size of equipment you guys are running now i don't want to get way far off in the weeds here but it's just a totally random question so you're technically second generation yes and no it's but even so you, you we started dad started from scratch nothing that we're farming now was handed to us right but even whenever you took the operation over from your dad it was a pretty small operation it was it was, a, it was a night and weekend operation yes yes so what do you what do you think about these kids that are walking into these multi multi million dollar operations with hundreds of thousands of dollars in equipment operate? Do you think they appreciate well, what they're walking into? I've had this discussion with some. 
I think if they're come come back to the farming operation, at some point that's fine. I think, and if they want to skip college, that's perfectly fine. They don't right. need college. I do think you need to go off farm to appreciate what you got on farm. To know what a boss is. To know what a pecking order is. And it makes you appreciate what you got yeah. at home. Yeah. You know, uh, that's why I'm glad I went to Chicago. You know, yeah. I and, went. And your, and your brother John worked at a dealership for a while. He went to John Deere for eight years. Yeah. You know, he worked at John Deere dealership. So, you know, some of these kids just graduate high school, come right back home to the farm. And I was like, I just, I don't know how that yeah. pecking order boss. Well, I would even say that uh, I would say that's even somewhat true for me because I worked at the dealership for a while, then I worked for a construction company for a while. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of just um, social interactions you take mm -hmm. away from that that you can apply to. Yeah. And it kind of also, like you said, a bad day uh, at the office or a bad day on the farm there and a good day at the office. Yeah. It also makes you appreciate that a little bit because – you work these other jobs, you know where you might end up yeah. at if it's not yeah. work. Yeah, you know what back. I mean? Mm -hmm. But even if you if you come straight to the farm, go off the farm and come back to the farm, one thing that drives me nuts is the the higher up is not turning over responsibility. Responsibility or turning over financial responsibility to the younger yeah. generation. I see so many operations that the father's 80 years old. You've got sons in the operation that's 50, and they're just employees of the farm. They have very little say. They have very little financial. They don't even know what the books look like. Some of them don't. Well, I was like, what are you going to do? Do you even know where you're at or, or yeah. the stress? or? I mean, that, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but that that's kind of been one of the keys to your operation growing the way it has is your, dad, your dad's kind of willingly stepped aside and let you and your brother kind of yeah, in 2015, he uh, he kind of stepped aside and uh, handed me the checkbook, and and I do all the cash flows, all the balance sheets, all the I do. My main thing is sitting in the office. I mean, I hate it. One of the worst things I hate doing. But I work in the office. John does all the mechanic work. Right. But then we merge and and we hit the field. So. If he needs help working in the shop, you know, I'll go, I'll jump out and help him. But through the winter is my, yeah. my office. I mean, I'm trying to get tax, you know, here's tax season. Right. So I've done a pretty good job keeping most of my receipts, but from September to December, they're all in a shoebox yet. So I've got to start digging all these things out and, you know, get these taxes figured out because the bank's going to want taxes. Yeah. And you're, you're going to be running short on time to be planning. Yeah. You need to go ask that bank for that operating loan again the last uh the last three years my operating loan has been approved march 31st which is probably 30 days late yeah you talk about sweating bullets and you need to drop a planter in the ground april the first yeah so we're trying to i'm trying to be a little more proactive to get my stuff ready this year to push them to maybe get something growing Girl. this year so how long does it take like so you get your operating loan you mm -hmm. use that to buy seed right mm -hmm. So how long does it actually take to get the quantity of seed that you need? Is this like Amazon Prime? Comes here two days? <laughs> no, I've already got my seed in, in hand. Oh, dude? Yeah. Was that on last year's loan? or? No, it's it's on a different loan. Okay. But some of these companies do in-house loans that you oh, don't. Oh, okay. 
um, your seed companies and some chemical companies will do in-house loans at a, a discount mm-hmm. interest to kind of draw you to their, that's a perk to draw you to their their right. business. Mm-hmm. You know, the operating loan I need from the bank is pay the interest, pay the electric bill, <coughs> pay the license plates, you know, pay an employee. Yeah, I mean, it's because as far as the grain operation goes, you have no income until that harvester hits the field. Yeah, yeah. That was going to be one of my next points, too. Because I yeah. know, you know, putting the diversity podcast mm-hmm. aside, we're just talking as a general farmer who yeah. may only be doing corn and beans. You're going all year long. Yeah, without for one, one paycheck. Right. Unless they've got grain bins. It depends on how long they store their grain or when they need to pay. Right. You know, some of them use it for a checkbook end of May. Some will hold it to June. Yeah. Some holds it to August again. Yeah, but, but no that, matter what, they know what they got in that they bin, know what they got and, that and they're not going to be able to replenish that until yeah. the yep. combine starts rolling yeah, again. Yeah, rolling right? again. Yeah. Um, what do you? What would the three thousand acre average farmer or whatever? What do you think that they would burn in diesel fuel? Say in a year or. Well, my fuel bill this year is right at one hundred twenty thousand dollars. That like. What three fifty a gallon for off road? Something like that. We've uh, talked about that before. Um, he's talking about complaining about three gallons an hour, you know, yeah. on his machines. Well, my, so my, I mean, I got, uh, I got uh, three times more machines than this hypothetical three thousand mm-hmm. dollar or three thousand acre farmer, yeah. and obviously mine don't run. I mean, I don't know. I mean, some run, I like your tractors. My fuel bill's not quite half that. Right. Is what I'm getting at. So, and that includes my trucks going up and down the road, which are my biggest fuel usage. Now, he's burning three gallons an hour. My combine, I like boxed him. 12, 12 roll corn head, unloading on the go. I was running right at 16 gallons an hour. I mean, this is the 850 dozer running wide open all day, seven, seven and a half gallon an hour. And you're saying 120,000 was the fuel bill for the year? Yeah. What is off road right now? Uh, off road right now is probably 280 ish. Maybe it may be over $3. It, yeah. it goes back and forth. You're talking about 42,000 gallons of diesel? So I'm assuming, and I don't know, but most farmers can't store 42,000 gallons of diesel. No. So you are then also at the mercy of the fuel market. Yeah. That's really going to affect your yield when you're buying almost 50,000 gallons. Uh, you know, ours, we've got a, a 2,000 gallon fuel tank that the uh, fuel truck comes once a week and just, yeah, you know, we're on a keep full basis. So you know, here's what blows my mind is he's burning 16 gallon an hour in that combine. I'm burning seven and a half, call it eight in that dozer right there. Mm-hmm. I got the exact same engine in him. Yeah, we're both nine liters. Both nine liter John, John Deere, nine liters. I'm pushing two hundred and ten horse. He's pushing three hundred and fifty horse. Okay. Yeah. And he's running at a hundred percent engine load all the time. I'm yeah. running at a hundred percent engine load going forward. Yeah. But you know, our New Holland three hundred thirty horse New Holland tractor constantly runs fourteen to fifteen gallons an hour. You know, but they're pulling. Yeah, that's true. They're pulling some 30-foot tillage equipment, 8 mile an hour. I mean, we're working some acres. We're pushing some acres. So, you know, that's 16 gallons an hour on that combine. 
that equaled out to one gallon an acre on harvest. When you say it that way, it's <laughs> so bad. It don't hurt that bad. It don't hurt so bad. Yeah. Really secondhand hurt me. Then he forgot to tell you he's doing that times three thousand. You know. Well, yeah, but I mean, it sounds better. Yeah. Dollar uh, gallon. It's all in how you all in how you present it. That's so. right. Uh, I mean, so just to kind of recap here a little bit. You know, you're you're. We've kind of proved the point that you're hoping this hypothetical farmer is hoping to bring in uh, 2.7 million dollars. Your input costs, whether it be fuel, seed, fertilizer, blah blah blah, you're going to be somewhere around 2.5, 2.6. Yeah. So on a, this is going to be a hard question. Be easier way to do it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Why don't you give me that money? I'll do that one for what is like if you're farming three thousand acres and you're taking this risk of planting two point six million dollars in the ground, what is the hope? What what is a good year? Like what is the what what do you how much money did you have over how much money did you put in the checkbook and you thought, damn, that was a good year? What's the return on your investment that needs to make it acceptable? For the hypothetical farmer? For the hypothetical farmer. For me, it's different. Okay. Because we're paying, we've we're paying a, a large mortgage. You're investing in assets. A hundred percent of our, a hundred percent of our profits is invested right back into the farm, right now. Um, my. So yeah, I'll just leave it at that. We're we're 100% invested. So I just I don't I don't I, I just heard this one time, and I don't know I don't know if it's. But you know, ideal you'd want to make 10%. You would think. Well, uh, the one thing I've been told by one farmer, what their goal is, is a hundred thousand dollars per thousand. So every thousand acres they farm, they want to put a hundred thousand dollars in their pocket. After yeah, but look all at all the tax money you got to pay on that. Well, we're getting to that, oh, Chris. <laughs> We're getting to that farmer, Chris. So I don't know. I'm not a farmer. I don't know. Is that yeah. would that be acceptable? Well, that's good income. Yeah, it depends how many. There you go. If he's wanting to put a hundred thousand per thousand in a checkbook, how many family members is he working on that farm? Right. I was so say, that's, is that in his pocket, or is that in the farm's pocket? Well, so if you got, uh, is he paying himself? Let's just say if this guy's farming twenty-two thousand acres, he's helping make twenty-two million dollars. Or two point two million dollars. Two point two million, yeah. That's their Yeah. For the farm. Yeah. For the farm. Not right. for just no, one guy. That's after all bills are paid, all yes, employees yes. are paid. Oh, employees. Then there's, there's there's hypothetically four people in this operation. So yeah. you take two point two and divide it by four. Okay. Uh, which would which would scale down to where if there's one guy involved or two guys mm -hmm. involved. I mean, at the end of the day, Chris, going back to his pecking order, yeah, you can have ten family members in the farm. There's going to be two or three, or maybe four at the most, depending on the size of the farm, mm -hmm. that are actually invested in the farm. That actually owns it, yeah. That actually own it, right? So at the end of the day, after all the other cousins, all the other yeah. family members, everybody else has played. Landlords are paid, fuel yeah. bills mm -hmm. paid, blah 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 is paid. What's left over <clears> for the core, the core ownership owners. group? Yeah, is they're hoping for is a hundred thousand per acre. Yeah. Uh, hundred thousand per thousand. Yeah. So Which, does that, that work out? Does that like, work out to a dollar an acre? That's a thousand. No, that's that's hundred dollars an hour. 
hundred dollars an acre. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. He's making good profit, but that's that's but that's fair. There's also the beauty of scaling in that. Yeah. I think there a little bit, but yeah. And, yeah. I, and I have no idea if that number applies to the board. I'm just trying yeah. to. I mean, this is so different from my world as far as my investments are not planted in the ground. You know, my investments yeah. is my biggest investment's the equipment. Yep. And I can even if it rains, I can still sell it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Chris can't go out there and sell his corn after it's planted in the ground because yeah. he needs money that week. You know right. what I mean? He's got to wait yeah, for it. Yeah, I got to wait for it to come up and hopefully produce. He needs to wait for it to multiply. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, yeah. and go again. So I, I, you know, I don't know if you'll ever get a straight answer from a farmer. Of first off, farmers don't like making money. Is that fair to say? On paper, that's that's true. <laughs> So, your CPA don't like a farmer to make money. Your banker wants a farmer to make money. <laughs> right. So I, I, it's going to be very hard to find a farmer that says, I made X yeah. amount of dollars this year. Exactly. Right. Almost every farmer you ever talk to is, if he had a good year, you're going to know it because he's got a new piece of equipment sitting on the farm in December. Yeah. Is it fair to say that most farmers don't farm to make a profit? That's not their sole driving I would not here. say that. There's farmers. You need to make a profit. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the only reason they get into farming is because they want to make money. Oh, no. That's, that's what I meant to say. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. So, uh, I guess. You're, you're, and also, I've heard my father say this. You're not only raising a crop or raising a cattle. You're raise, the other crop you're raising is your children. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a crop you're raising in a lifestyle you want to you want to see the world you wish everybody could go back to that lifestyle again yeah that makes sense well so i got i got two things here one let's go back to profits yeah so i don't want to get way off in the weeds here on this but uh, tax write-offs and profits why do people do it why is that conversation come about and i think there's a lot of misconceptions about this if you need to go buy a piece of equipment for a tax write-off and you're borrowing money to do it you're you're completely being counterproductive yeah so just to put this in layman's terms and this is very similar for farmer or excavator either one if i made three hundred thousand dollars this year and it put, bumps me into another tax bracket and i gotta pay 35 percent in taxes mm -hmm. on that i don't know what what's 30 what's uh What's thirty five percent of three hundred thousand? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, 3.5%. You'd probably like that. Yeah, no. 105000 Well, what is it? 105000 So out of the $300,000 I made, if I don't do anything with it no. and just keep it in the checkbook, you're handing Uncle Sam. I'm going to hand Uncle Sam $105,000. Yeah. yeah. Now, what I can do is I can go out and buy a piece of equipment for, let's just say, $150,000. Okay. 
off of your 300 or 330? So you're, what was it, 300? 300. 300. So I, I spent half of my profits on a piece of equipment. Yep. So you're at 150000 And then it took me down to a different tax bracket. Now I'm only paying 20% taxes. What am I paying in taxes? 30000 so basically, suck it, Uncle Sam. Oh, well, sorry. I'm paying. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna spend that money either way. Yes, yes. yes. I'm either gonna spend that money giving it to Uncle Sam, yep. or I'm gonna spend that money on an asset that I can have. Yeah. Right. So either way, the money's coming out of my checking account. And but I mean, it's but not a tax write-off is more of a way to control that you're doing something for yourself and not something for the government. Is yeah. that a yeah. good way to explain yeah. that? I agree. I mean, it, it's vastly more complicated than that. It is that, vastly more complicated than that, but I'm just trying to dub that down. Yeah, I think you did. And there's nothing illegal about doing yeah. that. No, you're encouraged to do that. Yeah. Now, it, you, what you can do is is buy that piece of equipment December 31st, turn around and sell it January 2nd, and put the money right back in your account, because yeah. then you're going to have a double issue at the end of that. The year. next year. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's only truly a tax write-off if you really need it, which is why mm -hmm. you see a lot of guys upgrading trucks. Yep. Uh, maybe upgrading planners, or if they need a new piece of equipment, that's that's great. I mean, arguably, one more ripple on this effect is that's how you stimulate the economy. Right. Is yeah. to not keep money in your bank account, but to spend money at businesses. Well, and it is an incentive because if I go out and buy a piece of equipment, I'm keeping somebody at a factory employee. Yeah. I'm keeping a truck exactly. employee to get it here. That's, I mean, There's that's, a chain reaction of events that, yeah. and also those guys are paying taxes too. Right. So the government's still getting their money in some way, shape, or form. It's just a way for us to kind of spread it out a little bit. I don't know if that's going to be a, a popular comment or not. but I mean, it, whether it's popular or not, it has to be. Right. Because, it, it it, okay, you, you don't do that. You don't buy a dozer. Then John Deere goes out of business, right. hypothetically. How many people just got laid off? How many people are now not producing an income to be taxed? How many people are not providing a service? Now their families are going hungry. Yeah. It collapses real quick. Uh, you know, and like I said, I, there's, there is way more to it than that, but I just wanted to kind of explain the um, tax write-off statement Yeah, a little bit, uh, if that makes makes a little bit of sense. So, Yeah, farmers study taxes pretty hard come December, you know, and we don't have to buy equipment. Right. You know, sometimes they're, they're prepaying fertilizer, they're right. prepaying right. seed. And that's what, like, my you grandpa know, did on yeah. the farm. He was, he was prepaying inputs for next year. Yeah. Because, I mean, that is a tax write-off for farmers, It is a right? tax write-off. It's an expense. Yeah, it's an expense. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it changes with agriculture or not. No, the nice part about equipment is it's a double whammy because you get the tax write-off of the purchase, and then you get depreciation. Depreciation of it, too. Right. Well, you know, he don't get depreciation on... Like, I can't depreciate a two-by-four if I go buy yeah, it or a ditch culvert. Yeah. Depreciation, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can't do that where you can with a piece of equipment because there's a schedule. Uh, you know, these people got yeah. schedules of, yep. they can tell you what's what, blah, 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 blah. So. And they can run those machines too, I'm sure, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thought I'd get it right. Um, well, I guess, uh, unless you got anything else to add, last, the last question I got for former Chris, um, kind of talking through the generic economics of farming. I mean, it begs the question, why the hell do you do it? I don't know what else I would do. I'm like Lager <laughs> Wade. What would you do if you if you wasn't doing it? You know, like, yeah. Lager Wade wants to be a gardener, but you yeah. know, I don't. <laughs> Maybe he wants to be a farmer. You're kind of a gardener. He's gonna have to get a new outfit to garden because I can see it from here. You always see it light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you just yeah. think if I can get that one more year, you know, if I can just get that one more year. But you know, we think we've got a a, a long term plan, and and that's just what you keep working for. We keep growing and. Well, you know, one thing I want to point out is... Uh, it's a lifestyle that... Uh, it's still just a lifestyle that you you give back to the community, too. And 
And I guess, you know, a point I want to make is, is maybe I was a little doom and gloom on the farming a little bit, but there is good times in farming. There's a lot of good times in farming. I mean, we've... I mean, there is there is money to be made. Yep, I agree. I mean, we've we've made money. We've made money, but we've invested so much of it, it looks like we've lost money this right. year. You know, um, you know, some upgrades we made on our planter this year. We had somebody come in and do all kinds of dirt work and field tile and stuff, you know. <laughs> you know, but that's all long-term investment stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's land upgrades. Well, and, and we got a whole other podcast. It makes profit, you know. Yeah. We had a whole other podcast yeah. on this. I don't want to get too far off in the weeds, but there's the one field that really stands out to me this year that um, down there, what do you call it, Dark Hollow? Oh, the double-decker field? Yeah. What a world of difference. So... Uh, I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but you just want to get a brief explanation of what you got out of that investment. I forgot what numbers I give you for sure. Yeah. Well, so we for was, what, what that, I, that double decker field was like three and a half acres tillable. Three point one is what I think you said. Three point one. You know, we resloped that grain, and we went to like six and a half acres. Yeah. Of I, tillable, usable ground so, in the same footprint. So you were paying rent on that whether you used it or yes. not. Yes. Yes. So you doubled your doubled your surface area you were playing yeah. uh and then the flip side of that was your your yield almost doubled the yield doubled in there yeah it was just crazy no not all fields produce the well, yeah it won't like, do that but yeah and the efficiency of it was just right. crazy so yeah we do it just seems like we hit one miracle field every year just like yeah well, why didn't we ever do that before you know yeah. like, look. well the funny part was i i and i don't want to put words in your mouth but we did that field this spring. I think you were kind of second guessing whether that field was worth the investment. I know, I know. And then it turns around and up being the best damn investment of the year. Know. You know what I mean? And and there's some you think, well, there's this is a no brainer. It's going to pay for itself in no time, and it don't quite. Yeah, don't quite do what you don't quite do what, what you hoped yeah. it was going to do. You uh, know, we we moved a lot of dirt. There was a lot of loose dirt down there, and we yeah. harvested that in one of the wettest parts of the season. So I was like. Whew, I was a little all pins and needles around the combine through there. I was like, boy, this is going to be a combine trap. I was waiting for a phone call. Dirt perfect tone recovery is going to come out. I don't even know if we cut a cleat mark across that hillside. Well, I think that just proves we're getting better at what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've, we've learned from our mistakes. I got two things. One, why corn and beans? So, is it? Well, he does do a few other things. I just, as far as planting though? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. do a few others. So, well, okay, so when corn you watch, beans are just our mass, that's the mass acres. And, you know, our corn is divided into yellow corn and white corn. Mm -hmm. 2023, we had some uh, sorghum, or you call Milo, either one. We always have some wheat, 100 to 150 acres of wheat every year. Mm -hmm. And then we got, we run about 250 to 300 acres of hay. I just I Mixed hear in there. So a lot of the big. Well, I think it, I think it goes. It's just a supply and demand thing. Okay. There's there's a much bigger supply and demand for yeah. beans and corn, um, and in our climate, it seems to work. The Midwest is your corn beans. Okay. You know? yeah. Yeah. Like just going to Millennial Farmer Welkers, seems like everybody does corn and beans. Yeah, no, Welkers do a lot. They do peas. Welkers does a lot. They Chicken do peas and yeah. lentils and. Yeah, and they're, but they're in a completely different yeah, environmental environment. zone. Right. 
So it, it's more dictated, I guess, by the Lars market. has done some, some well, like, black peas or black Like here, peas. you go south, there's a bunch of cotton. We have no cotton here. Yeah, we have right. no cotton. So, you know, it, it kind of goes on what your climate and region will give you. Canada's uh, canola. Canola, yeah. Um, so I think I think your location dictates what you your plant. Your environment, yeah. yeah. Yep. What the crop is. Um, yeah. And then I guess when we did the first, I think the first podcast we did with you at all was about farming. And it was like the current state of the economy. Yeah. And you were concerned with, I guess, how many mouths are on the planet and how much food is coming out of the ground. Um, Farmers are we're our own worst enemies. Yeah. Well, I mean, would it be fair to say that part of the reason someone might choose to do this is to so society can eat? I'm going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> I just, you know, no, you know, it's uh, arguably it it's is an important service yes, it for is. everybody. You know, you see the bumper sticker. I, I think that's also a misconception on what Chris does because I'd say majority of what he plants don't go to food. No, that's, that's correct. True. Yeah. So, well, there, anyway. Yeah. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the majority, you know, of what I raise. Goes a livestock feed that goes to food. Right, I mean, yeah. it's, like, it's still an important piece yeah. of the circle, but sure. it don't go directly from his field to your mouth. Right. I did get a picture today that uh, popped up on a, a Facebook memory. The average farmer gets 584 hours less sleep per year than the average American. Really? I'm going to become a farmer so that I can sleep more. <laughs> <laughs> he said average. We um, get 584 less hours of sleep. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did the math already. Yeah. <laughs> so if you take five, that's over, that's over what, 1.2 hours per day less? Yeah. Does that math work out? Yeah. Uh, you're close. You're close. Yeah. It's like you know, this spring, man, John run uh, 18 hours, 18 days straight of 18 hours in a tractor. And I don't know if anybody oh, sent a tractor for 18 hours. It ain't fun after about the second hour. Yeah. Yeah, you win. You know, that's not counting feeding livestock, yeah. shower, breakfast. It's weird. You cool think down. that the, the cows and the pigs would be a little considerate and not want to yeah. do that. <laughs> oh, they look tired. We'll when wait. we got our first rain there after 18 days, we were wore out. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that goes back to that mid-size operation and trying to get to that next yep. level where it's feasible. But it's a, it's a, I guess, you know, another, why why do you do it? it? It's the challenge. Yeah, I get that. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm one that, you never tell me no, you know, and I might be my own worst enemy. Do you? Right. I've had some people tell me, oh, you can't do that or you'll never do it or whatever. Like, you know, sometimes... Six months down the road, that's still churning my head, and that just gives me fuel to, just to keep digging. Probably doing it, this you know? YouTube thing. We've we've cleared some fields and said nobody ever said they'd ever be planted. Yeah, the hell are some of his best fields? I, feel like I yeah. heard that recently. Yeah, that's well the the timing of the History Channel, but I'm in <laughs> yeah. the middle of clearing a field that'll never be planted. He's already yeah. planted. Yeah, already planted. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. I was just say it's weird because I think I saw it planted already. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's a challenge. It's a lifestyle we do. We do make money. It's uh, the flexibility of the lifestyle, you know. And when we're not all, we're not in a tractor eighteen hours a day, three hundred sixty-five days right, a year. You right. Know? So that allows us to come back to the community, just like today. You know, 
me and John and, and you, you know, we was able to come back, do this DLT training today. You know, if I had an office job, yeah. I wouldn't be here today, you know, to help you put that on and fairgrounds, fairground stuff and, and farm you know, bureau, farm bureau so you're, stuff. Yeah, you're heavily involved in your community. Yep. So I've got Indian, Indianapolis Tuesday for farm bureau. I'm getting ready to fly to Washington DC in February for farm bureau. So. Does that interact or intersect the uh, farm show this year? I'm going to miss the farm machinery show again this year. Are you really? First three days of it. I'll hit Saturday of it. You're going to have to tell them to work on that. Well, this is a, the Washington, D.C., the committee I'm on up there, it's a two-year committee with a possible two-year extension. I don't know if I'm, I'm debating if I'm going to accept a two-year extension just due to the Farmer's Shooter Show thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll be up there the Friday of the Farmer's Shooter Show. I think we're going to do a meet and greet. Well, I actually thought about going to Florida with you this year. Yeah. And I was like, well, we'll be back for Farmer's Shooter Show. Then they threw this Washington, D.C. trip on I can go to Florida and fly out to Washington D.C. You, you know? can fly to you can fly to D.C. from Florida. No, I'm I'm going to stay home and get stuff done. I'm a farmer. <laughs> I'm a farmer. <laughs> oh my goodness! You think that's why some farmers YouTube to supplement that income? <laughs> I mean, there's farmers making they're making money. They're they're farming to have content now. Yeah, I mean there's. Well, I dig dirt for content. I tried it, and I mean it's nice. I mean it just yeah. takes. It takes time. For me, it just I don't have the time to do it yet. You know, it's just the filming. I mean, you can throw cameras up. It's just I just never figured out the editing and my fiber. I don't have no fiber house. I've got copper, so my uploading. Yeah. You know, I was coming down here, which is 15, 20 time, minute drive yeah. to upload videos. Yeah. And then even after you upload, you got to babysit it. And then you got to babysit them and comments and. Um. I enjoy the interaction with the people, you know. If you had to start from scratch tomorrow, do you think you'd still do it? No. No? No. You think it's a bad time to try to be a farmer? Try right now be, it is. Try to become a farmer? The next two to three years is going to be a struggle bus. I do think there's stuff on the horizon, though, that's mm -hmm. going to brighten the future. This election year is going to get some speed bumps, knots on the head. Um, it'll be interesting. Election year is always interesting on the ag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the farm bill they passed, is that for seven we years? We still ain't got a farm bill. Oh, you still ain't got one passed? The farm bill expired uh, September 30th last year. So we're farming with no farm bill right now. So. And what is that? Well, it's a it's a federally funded bill, and it looks like a bunch of money eight hundred and eighty two million dollars, but eighty percent of that's um, food assistant programs. But on the ag side, we do get a little assistant if we need it. Yeah, it's it's more. If it's a good year, we don't get nothing. If we if we run into hard times. Where the farm bill helps us out at is our crop insurance premiums. The farm bill pays like 60% of our premiums to make it affordable for us. So we didn't even talk about crop insurance. What's crop insurance? It's just you're insuring your, there's, that's a whole nother podcast by itself. <laughs> 
crop insurance can get pretty widespread. I mean, there are so many different variables on crop insurance. So. Well, I mean, to some extent, basically, he can insure the seed he put it in the ground, and then... If you have a Hurricane Ike incident? Well, that's where I said I can insure. You know, mine's set up, I can insure. I've got a 10-year yield history. And then they get, in February, they set a price for that crop. And then I, I choose to insure 80% of my revenue on that acre. So mm -hmm. if my if my guaranteed revenue is uh, 200 or my guaranteed revenue is $1,000. Yeah. You know, I'm guaranteed $800 income off that field. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get it in the fall, you know, they make up the difference. So there is a safety net there. Right. I mean, but... Well, that's a choice, though. But right? it's not. But that's not pretty. I mean, yeah. you don't want to use crop insurance. I say because you're you're paying for that all year long. Yes. And if you don't end up needing it, you still paid for it. I mean, I, I would say it's no different than any other insurance. It's absolute yeah. last resort. Yeah. Right. To, but it's a it's a little bit of a safety net. It keeps you. Mm -hmm. Twenty twelve was a big bailout on it. You know, when we had a drought. So right. Our corn crop averaged up. I think our corn crop averaged 42 bushel an acre in 2012. Holy cow. Yeah. That's the difference. That's a number trending in the wrong direction. Yeah. We were dry. <coughs> so. We were dry. Are you going to go out there with a garden hose and just water it? Uh, that's a lot of water. Well, I don't know if we had the water available to water. Yeah, just, we got the river. Well, no, uh, <laughs> was it this year millennial farmers really dry? They kept telling them to load a sprayer up and go out there and spray it with water. <laughs> that does not even... <laughs> It's just funny because these people have like no clue. The where are you getting water from? Amount I mean, of water. Aside from everything else that's wrong, where are you yeah. getting the water from if there's a drought? The gallons of water it takes to raise a crop is unreal. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. We're in a pretty decent climate for that here. You know, and a corn crop is designed. It's its own. Have I showed you pictures of corn yeah, crop? Yeah, it's neater and shit. The way the leaves are structured on a corn plant, it that takes very little dew. And, and the leaves will funnel to the stalk, and it runs down the stalk right to the roots. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've walked out in fields before after a dewy morning. The ground will be cracked open right around the stalk will be moist. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, it's crazy how those leaves are just big funnels sitting there bringing that water in. Mother Nature knew what she was doing. Yeah. Well, Chris, I appreciate you uh, sharing all the information on yep. the hypothetical farmer. Yeah, I hope I didn't get out in the weeds too no, much. No, I just... Uh, you know, I think people see those big numbers and automatically assume that you're making millions. Yeah, we're not playing monopoly money for sure. But they don't. I don't think they. I don't think the input numbers are as easily attainable to, for people to see and understand as what yeah. the the you know the the. It's easy to take a hundred acre field at average two hundred acre of a bushel and take out times market price, and you're like, damn. Yeah. Look what we did here. But like, you know, Chris said, all those inputs that went into to getting you know, that to yield 200 acres. The thing that's a struggle with farmers, you know, I'll get back and we want to wrap this up. But, you know, we got to buy everything at retail price and that price is set. You're going to pay this. You're going to pay this. You're going to pay this. We raise a crop. We got to sell it wholesale. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're told what we're going to set. I mean, we don't. You have no. Here's my crop, and this is what I want. No, the market's. This is what we're going to pay you for this crop, right. and we got to pay the trucking both ways. You know, right. we pay the, we truck the inputs in, then we got to pay the 
truck the corn off and like, as soon as you think you get a good year, well then for some reason, mysteriously, it costs more to make fertilizer and then they jack up the fertilizer yeah. next year, you know. You can't just put your so corn crop on face-based marketplace and say, this is what I want. <laughs> yeah. Don't get it. Well, <laughs> some people think you can do that. Yeah, yeah, $10 a bushel, I know what I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Don't get it. No oh, back to supply and demand. You know, it's, yeah. there's just so much supply. And that's why I said farmers are our own worst enemy. We just keep yielding and yielding and just start. You know, Dad said when he was farming in the 80s, you know, 100 bushel an acre was a, a record-breaking yield. If we're not hitting 200 bushel corn nowadays, we're almost going broke, you know. The world record corn this year was almost 600 bushel an acre. That's insane. It's a lot of corn. You know, imagine if every acre in the U.S. raised 500 bushel an acre. Corn would be worth 75 cents a bushel. Mm -hmm. And we just keep trying to, we got to get more, we got to get more. Like, if we keep producing more, it's worth less, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, the good news is uh, solar panels are taking up a lot of your ground. So. Yeah, solar panels are taking up ground. <laughs> you know. And subdivisions. The bad. Them houses yield pretty well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know ethanol comes with a lag, but, you know, if, if we went to an E15, it would eat up some ethanol, which would eat up corn. If sustainable aviation fuel took off. Yeah. You know, they're telling us we need 30 million acres of beans just to feed <laughs> This sustainable aviation fuel, which I, I I think all that stuff is going to come around. But you know, I'm surprised ethanol's been as slow to come around as what it has. But it's so based on crude oil prices. It's politics. Yep. You got your your oil monopolies fighting. Well, they manipulate. Um, they manipulate uh, ethanol prices the same way they try to manipulate the sale of EV vehicles. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's, um, it's you know, ethanol is going to be worthless if we got to get ninety percent EV vehicle sales by twenty thirty five or whatever we've put in. Well, we're not on pat. We're not on a projectory to get there. We're not, we're not going to get there. Dang it! <laughs> I wonder what farmers going to look like when we have drag an extension cord around. <laughs> I was going to say that earlier. Well, most of them will have a windmill to plug into. Yeah. Oh, a windmill to plug into. And solar panels. Yeah, solar panels. Yeah. Oh, yeah, zero emissions farming. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the cows will all have the cork in their butt and everything. I think the biggest thing that's coming up for you guys next is autonomous farming. That'll be interesting. I don't know if it will yeah. or how it's going to take off. There's just a lot of... <laughs> Chris, combine's down the road. I <laughs> <laughs> called and said the cows are out. I ain't out. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of liability to get this equipment down the road. It's not small. No, I mean by itself. I mean, it's, how's this stuff going to handle the roads? It's not small. Like that's terrifying. And I think we've discussed maybe before. I don't know if the autonomous will take off big. I question if instead of a four hundred horse tractor pulling a forty foot tillage tool with one operator, right? We're going to see four five hundred horse tractors pulling ten foot equipment, but one driver. Yeah. Driving one, the other four or five tractors is just going to be following. Then you've got a supervisor right. with them at all times. Mm -hmm. Then when you get smaller equipment, it's going to be easier to, maneuver, to actually yeah. maneuver around and stuff. So. Yeah, because right now you got the big equipment because you're limited on manpower. More limited on if manpower. you go autonomous, yeah, manpower is not an issue. 
Yeah. You know, so you can you can, you can double down the equipment. Yep. I'd be much happier with your 755 tractor getting away going down the road then. Can you imagine that next at Combine round around Perry County? <laughs> oh my god. Wouldn't that be a monster on these roads? I mean, my good video. Yes, it would. <laughs> well, you finally have time to do your You think the Hyundai could pull it out of a mud hole? We'll find out. Get video. <laughs> out of a pond. <laughs> I'm going to have to set some traps for that one. Yeah. That one You'll be all right. That's what I always say. Of course, Chris has done good the last two years. I've got a few scare phone calls. We never had to actually oh, show I've up. Oh, I've had some scare calls, yeah. But uh, he knows the deal. I show up with a camera and I film, I don't charge him. Yeah. I show up without a camera and I don't film, he gets charged. <laughs> Yep, it's worked out. But I think the last Hunger and Carry video was a co-op truck. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even you, so. Yeah. And he suck at it. The more you pulled, the deeper it went. Yeah, that's about all the old 120 wanted. We, we even had to get the blue tractor in on that one. Yeah, the uh, 120 almost met her match on that one for sure. So, All right, well, Chris, I appreciate all the information. Appreciate you jumping in and helping us host yep. the podcast. we got yeah, a lot no more stuff coming up. Uh, a few more conversations even this uh, session, this yep. weekend that I'm looking forward to. Like Congress, we're in session. We're in session, session anyway. <laughs> well, well we guys, finally got, got him from Pennsylvania back to Indiana. Know, we got to utilize our time here. We'll have to so. check the title and see how many episodes he missed. But. See, it's hard to put the episodes on when you're doing six in one, one yeah. weekend. Yeah. So. And then you're for sure which order they're going to come out. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as they all do audio, I keep looking over. I'm like, yep, oh, those levels look good. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, guys, appreciate you. Appreciate you listening and watching, and we'll... Uh, ask them the question. What's the question? Question we ask everybody now. No, you ask everybody. You could offer one piece of advice to any random person on the street. Doesn't no. have to be a farming-related, anything. Don't be a farmer? Yeah. What do you got? No, you don't want my advice. <laughs> I guess that's taking me No. I mean... Just my advice, just be real to yourself and don't be afraid to go after adventure, you know, accept the challenge and, and, uh, and that's what I like about ag, you know, just if something, opportunity pops up, go for it, you know, if it's gets you out of your comfort zone and, and uh, that's pretty much what ag is and that's what everybody's challenge is and, and, uh, try something different and go for it, so. Yeah, that's what I always say. That, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, and if you stop worrying about the money, it usually takes care of yeah. itself. I thought you know, George I was Washington tweeted that once. No, you said that? <laughs> I was watching TV this morning. Me and George and I, Washington go way back. They was interviewing a radio host, and today was his last day as a radio host. And they said, well, what are you going to do in the future? He's going to work for a uh, fire protection company here in Evansville. Inspecting uh, fire protection systems has no knowledge of it. Don't know what he's doing, but they're going to train him. He thought it'd be interesting, something different, and he's just gone, gone, quit out of out of the media. Just well, trying you know, something different. Yeah, I like well, you that's live, just what you need to do. Just get yeah, up, try something. You don't live twice, and you don't live forever. Yeah. So you can't be afraid <laughs> of that either. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it, that's I think what holds everybody back. Just stop. Yeah. Just go try yeah. it. So, I mean, our, I've been so right on that trend line of failure. Oh, I am a failure yeah. walking, so. Oh, I mean, I've you been, there. Back. I've been there too. Um, I ain't going to say 2010, 2015, we had all of our equipment up for sale. 
What year did I come around? You've been around for ages, but I don't know when I met you. <laughs> whenever church, we, we built that church. It's been whenever been Simon Harris. It's been how close 2015, wasn't it? Well, it's been five years. I mean, when you've done your first video. Oh, yeah. It'll be about 2018, 2017. I ain't tried to put them out of business. So <laughs> no, we've been so... Oh, yeah, we've known each other our yeah. whole lives. We've been so close to failure twice since... Well, I've been part of the operation, you know, working active. 2015 must have been just about a bad year because that's one of the years I just about went belly up. Was well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we well, lost a lot it. of sleep, and I mean, you just it just can't go like that. I mean, we've you just got to try something different one time and just oh yeah, throw it, hope, to the wall. Throw it to the wall that it take off and go again. So mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of compare you to Wade in that aspect a little bit. Sometimes just persistence and perseverance. Put your off. head in the trenches and just keep just, going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, don't, I mean, even though failure is a legit option, you yeah. can't view it as an option. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? Like you just have it have it in your head that failure is not an option yeah. to find a way to push through mm -hmm. it. You know, me and I even talked, me and John was talking, you know, well, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? We done had... We done had our next jobs lined up. What we was gonna do? We was gonna go. We was actually discussing, you know, doing some uh, custom manure application types of things, you know, so we could kind of stay in the ag sector. And we just kept on digging and digging and digging. And yeah, you go. You know, 2015. You know, you got all your equipment for sale. You're making plans, and you know, you're like 1,200 acres and. And now you're over twice that size, you know, a couple yeah. years later. So feel good to take for sale sign off. Yeah. <laughs> then you gotta go buy it back. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good time to reset because some of that equipment needed to go anyways. It's, mm -hmm. it's older equipment or it was already too small for the operation. Yeah. You know, so no, it's the failure's there. It can be there. And it's We've we've tried it. We've I think done part it. of being successful though is not being afraid of that. Yeah. Because if you never take a risk, you never get the rewards. Yeah. At some point, I feel like everybody fails at something, yeah. and oh, I mean yeah. the scaling is different. But yeah. you, you got to learn that even if you do fail, you're still going to be here. I mean, did you yeah. see my top line on two pieces one day? I did. Yeah. Looks a lot nicer now. Yeah. This is back in one piece. It's huge. Looks full in here, don't it? Oh man. <laughs> hey, here's in here podcast last night. He was sitting on the end. God. He goes, he still never told him. He goes, how, how, how the hell did you get that in here? <laughs> you do realize you never told him, right? I don't think I ever did tell no. him. He just kind of kept staring at it. And... I mean, he was completely dumbfounded. Can I bring something up on this podcast, too? Because it's they kind of watch some of your other channels, too. Yeah, well, you're, you're the co-host. Okay, through, through DOT training, you know, Who's Hoover's. Hoover went back and got some old clips off Dirt Perfect videos. <laughs> yeah. He showed a clip. <laughs> taking Lieutenant Dan out of this shop, promising it would be back in here. That was a good little video. No, okay, just... How much did you get for that truck? Huh? How much did you end up getting for that truck? Not for sale, Jason. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, guess who gets to edit this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At some point, I know he said like 2.2 million. Yeah. I am so going to put that as what you just answered. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, I would have done the same thing. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I'm going uh, with Lieutenant Dan, but, but sounds good. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how good that little video was, though. Yeah, got my safety gear on. <laughs> my glasses yeah. on, sitting on a folding chair, no windshield, no doors. You had a video like that where you were sitting on a bucket too, or was that before you stretched the frame? Uh, that's whenever I was uh, putting the bed on it, okay. moving it out. Because you were like, is this the video? I think no, in my, like, I in my defense, the... there was no violations in that video. No. Because you pulled up I never it on, on the actual road. Yeah. You sure have disappointed Hoover because you have really limited your on-road <laughs> video. <laughs> and the ones I do film on the road, I put the camera where everything's legal. Yeah. Like, oh, they filming that side. <laughs> yeah. Why does that machine only got chains on one side? That's weird. Here, don't film the back half, just the front half. <laughs> so, all right, let's wrap this one up. Chris, thank you. Yep, you are. Hopefully. The point, the point of this podcast was to give a generic overview of the economics of farming. Yep. That was the, like, don't take any of our numbers to heart because no. we're not saying to the T that's what they are. We just wanted to give a generic overview. And in a, a true fashion, ag, what numbers we give you today? Tomorrow. Today. We'll change tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's but, why. Uh, it's, it's big money in, big money out. I mean, there's a lot of cash going through a checkbook. Very little profit at Which the end is, sometimes. I mean, I'm not going to sit here yeah. and lie. That is like 100% the opposite of what I do. I would be terrified. You know, it's yeah, 100% the opposite of what you I do. You have to work 18 hours a day so you're exhausted. You can sleep at night. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd be sitting there like pushing numbers on a calculator. So. I got a glass bottle in my shelf that's kind of brown liquid in there. Yeah. You sleep at night. I bet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. More to come. Stay tuned. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.